I speak to you in the name of the living God, blessed Trinity, and lover of your souls. Amen. There is a word we will say a dozen times over today. We'll say it after prayers and after blessings. We will sing it through song. What do you mean when you say amen? Is it your yes to the universe? Or do you honestly say it without too much thought? It's a strange word in that it's a foreign word and an ancient word. And when we think about what we mean when we say it, while the word can make our commitment to whatever preceded the amen feel just as ancient, just as true. Amen is meant to be spoken in confidence. The Hebrew law commanded people to say it in legal proceedings as a sign of their commitment. So in a way, it's not unlike our I do. But it's also unlike our I do in that amen is the root for many other Hebrew words like steadfastness, correctness, faithfulness. And it's even in the terms for artist and foster parent. Today, that same root word shows up in the gospel reading, but it's hidden in an unexpected place. Amen is also the root word for wealth. The Semitic term some of you might recognize is mammon. And it's Jesus' final word, quite literally, in this parable about a shrewd manager. You cannot serve God and wealth. This word mammon is connected to amen because both ask us where we put our trust. Mammon means the treasure a person trusts in. Where do you put your amens, your trust? In the parable of the shrewd manager, Jesus reveals that all human beings, the just and the unjust alike, put their trust somewhere. We learn from him that even an unrighteous person can earn Jesus' respect if the trust is placed in what is truly valuable. This parable begins with some background on the manager. He did not appropriately handle his boss's finances. Now, the extent of the damages must have been fairly great because his boss decides to fire him the same moment he calls him to account. And when the manager learns that he's about to lose his job as soon as the accounting is complete, he decides to not only balance the books as much as he can, but to do so while making some friends. So he pretty much cuts his boss's client's bills in half. This pleases the clients, and it also seems to impress the rich boss who already knew he wasn't going to get all his money back, but at least now he'll get more than what he expected. The manager will probably still lose his job. But by his shrewdness, 
that is his wisdom and his foresight, he prepared a hopeful future for himself. Now this parable reminds me of a news story I read not too long ago about payless shoes. Some of you might remember it. In 2017, the company was facing bankruptcy. So they started closing stores in various states across the US. But in 2018, somebody had an idea. They opened a fake luxury shoe store in Los Angeles. They stocked it with their $20 shoes and enlisted a famous advertising agency to stage the store with a statue, a gold mannequins, and some swanky polished customer service. Then the agency invited 60 influencers recruited from the street, from social media, to the made-up brand's launch party. The brand was renamed from Payless to Palessi. And they set up cameras to capture the customer experience, and the influencers raved. They described the shoes as elegant, sophisticated, classy, high quality, and each spent anywhere between $200 to $600 to own a pair. The shoe company later used those reviews about their $20 shoes to sell their Payless shoes in all their standard retail stores around the world. They had done it. They saved their business by reviving trust in their brand for their true clientele, folks living mostly paycheck to paycheck. Now those business folk who critiqued the prank decided the company was shrewd. Their practice may have been unjust and that they cheated the rich just as that manager did in today's parable. But they made their actual customers happy, and they challenged the rich to true discernment of value. Now, both of these stories ended up doing some unexpected good for the poor. Anyone who has to borrow wheat or olive oil from a rich man is not buying shoes at Palessi. The ways in which the manager and the shoe store each saved their businesses was by providing something for the poor. See, there was a kindness in having to pay back only half of what they owed, and a kindness in being reassured by the swanky influencers in LA that the knockoff shoes they buy at Payless are just as good as the name brands. Jesus wants us to see that even money tainted by injustice, but given in favor of the poor, can do some good. It can make the poor your friends. And this is the strange reality, the topsy-turvy, upside-down kingdom of God, where being friends with the poor, those are the influencers you need in your life. Jesus' parables are always pointing us to something about God's kingdom that's just different from the kingdoms of this world. Friendship with those who know true value, with the poor, 
This is the treasure Jesus commends in his parable. This is a treasure both in this life and the life to come. The same people who will welcome the manager into their homes when he's out of work because maybe they've been there will be the same folks, the poor, who are welcoming folks into heavenly homes. People are eternal, not money. Jesus is trying to make this point for us through a story we can all understand. We all know what it's like to mess up and get caught, like that manager who got caught by his boss. And when we do, we all have conversations in our own heads trying to figure out how we will avoid the worst case scenario, please. I think the manager freaked out when his boss said he was gonna lose his job. I bet he hopped on his phone and he began browsing jobs on indeed.com as his, he's leaving his boss's office. He was worried as he's scrolling that there are no openings in his line of work. He wasn't fit for all the construction jobs he was seeing. He needed to avoid unemployment. So he came up with a plan that treasured more than money. He didn't play the lottery or change his stock profile. He realized that who you know is more helpful in getting a job or even just assuring a decent quality of life than any monetary fix. And this is also what Jesus praises. I tell you, Jesus says to his disciples, make friends for yourself, like this unjust man did. He was wise with dishonest wealth and bought with it a true treasure that will last forever. That manager may have been in charge of a lot of money while he had this job, but truly he had very little until he made some friends. When money is all you have, you earn no interest in the kingdom of heaven. But friendship? Now that is a deposit into the everlasting piggy bank. If we can use something as eternally worthless as money, to grow everlasting treasures like friendship, then we have learned a bit of what faithfulness in the little things looks like that can lead us to the greater treasures, the true riches of the kingdom of God. Jesus ends the parable assuring his listeners we can't place our trust in God and in wealth because they value different things. Now, some historians have speculated that this word mammon may not simply mean wealth, but that it also might be the name of an ancient Syrian deity, a god of riches. We see this tradition in some of the early church fathers who wrote that mammon was another name for the prince of demons, for Baal, Beelzebub, the devil himself. In the Middle Ages, Mammon was personified as one of the seven princes of hell, the evil master who enslaves humanity through greed. So every time we say amen in church, we are proclaiming not just what we put our trust in, but who. Now, a few folks have asked me 
why some clergy place the offering plates on the altar to be blessed alongside the bread and the wine. And everybody has their own reasons for asking, and clergy have their own reasons for doing it. But one of the reasons is that parts of the Eucharistic prayers draw on Jewish sacrificial language. We call this an altar for a reason. And the offertory, where we bring up the elements, that holds within it some of this sacrificial metaphor. In a way, we lay our offerings of bread and wine and money on the altar to be sacrificed. By placing them there, we show that we do not put our trust in these things. We give them to God to be transformed into the will of the kingdom of heaven. And when we place that offering plate on the altar, we sacrifice our idolatry of mammon, just as Jesus tells us we must. So that when we raise the host and say that great amen together, we name as a community with confidence that Christ is our true riches and God is the one in whom we trust.